This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time, 12.03. It's great to have you with us for the Monday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Stock Picker Monday, that is at 12.49. A global computer chip shortage. That's impacting inventories at car dealerships. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, the week ahead will include the government jobs report for April, plus several key earnings reports. We're joined by Andrew Bush, former chief Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. He's an economist found online at andrewbush.com. Uh, Andy, uh, it's still a few days away from this job report. What are we expecting, though? Yeah, a big number. <laughs> to be honest, it's going to be close to a million jobs. And it really, uh, that comes out on Friday. We'll get the ADP report, give us a little uh, preview of that on Wednesday. But um, this also, just to kind of put it in context, I mean, obviously we need to recoup a lot more jobs for, from all the ones that were lost uh, dur- during the shutdown and haven't rebounded yet. But this also takes some of the winds out of the sails of the Biden administration's push for the uh, infrastructure plan. Uh, the president will be out talking about that on Wednesday. So keep that in mind when you hear his comments. So uh, going forward, I mean, what kind of job growth do we need in order to really turn it around? Because it's not just a few good reports. I mean, we seem to need a lot of good reports. Yeah, I mean, we've got to have like a couple years, like two years of job growth, um, you know, over 400,000 to really get us back to where we were before. And, you know, the thing is, is that uh, both the Biden administration and the Federal Reserve are, you know, on board to making that happen, at least to the best that the Biden administration can. Certainly the Federal Reserve is going to keep interest rates for as low as they possibly can. But what was interesting is just last week, Dallas Fed President uh, uh, Rob Kaplan came out and said, you know what, we we do need to start talking about tapering and the sooner the better, because he sees the inflation numbers. Uh, Today's uh, ISM data showed that um, there were some pretty big surges in the uh, supplier uh, 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 inflation numbers. I mean, really high numbers. And we know, just as an example, right now, lumber prices are soaring. I mean, Chicago trading or the trading for lumber right now is just insane. Uh, You'll see today it's going to be like the opposite of what oil was when it collapsed. This is this is lumber flying higher, and that makes it really hard to do new construction, which is what you saw again today, just a little weaker than expected. And I think it makes it really hard to start a new construction site with prices so high. Well, and especially when you, you have builders who go to people with a quote for a new house and they, they almost don't even believe them because of the costs having to go up. Or worse, like you get into a project, this happened to a lot of people, you get into a project, they get the first shipment of lumber, and when the next one comes, you get sticker shock because it's gone up so much. 
Um, and there's a big question about whether or not we're entering into a new commodity super cycle. I, I think it's just it's business cycle related. So we're going to have a surge over the next three to four months and then it'll taper off as the economy slows down. But, wow, I feel bad for anybody who's trying to build a house right now. Thanks so much. Really good inside Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. You can find him online at andrewbush.com. Just ahead, demand is outstripping supply in the new car market. New vehicle sales were strong in April, but some dealers are running into inventory issues. We welcome Jeff Gilbert, CBS Auto Reporter, based in Detroit. Uh, Jeff, just yesterday I was driving down a major highway in the western suburbs and I passed a car dealer and I noticed that the lot, it, it seemed rather empty. And at first I thought, well, it, it's Sunday, they're closed, no customers. And then I realized, no, this is the area where they would ordinarily have cars for sale. I mean, this shortage, it's really a legitimate thing. Oh, it's a big thing, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. We, you know, in your own area, Chicago Assembly that makes the Explorer and the Lincoln Aviator, it's been shut down a number of weeks. I'm sorry, I can't remember whether this week is one of them, but plants around the country have been idled because of the computer chip shortage, and car makers are saying that they're going to, it's probably going to bottom out in the second quarter. Ford, for example, expects to make. 50% fewer vehicles in the second quarter than they'd originally anticipated. So talk about, you know, sort of help us understand this chip shortage and how it impacts manufacturers. I think a lot of people assume, well, the pandemic hits and you stop buying chips and then when you need them again, you just start buying them again. But it's not that simple. Well, that was what the car makers thought last year, and they thought uh, last April when sales bottomed out that they weren't going to be selling that many vehicles, so they throttled back on their chip purchases. So the chip companies sold the chips to uh, you know, uh, tech companies, appliance makers, things of that nature, and when car sales picked up, there weren't really as many chips to be had as, as they needed. That's one issue, throw in a fire at a big chip-making plant in Japan, throw in bad weather in Texas earlier this year that messed up chip production down in that part of the country, and then you throw in some port issues, and, and, and you've got just a, an area where car makers are, are being hit from all sides, and they've had to shut down plants because they don't have the chips needed. And, and, and even more telling, here in the Detroit area, there are vehicles parked all over the place that have been made without chips. So that's an issue as well. Yeah, just waiting to be able to finish the job here. What kind of an impact does this have on prices for people who are shopping? for? So nobody is giving discounts. You're not seeing, you know, you're seeing a few mild incentives, but you're not seeing deep discounting right now because nobody really needs them. So this is having a ripple effect in a number of areas. And, and as I mentioned, you know, you can't really get a lot of relief in the used car market because those prices are up as well. Yeah. Is that actually changing the demand? I'm, I'm thinking in terms of the prices that dealers pay to get used cars in-house so that they can then turn around and sell them. Right. If you're in a position where you have a used vehicle to sell, where you want to buy a vehicle that's in stock that you can get right now, you're going to get top dollar for your trade-in. And, and some analysts are even saying that if you have an off-lease vehicle, this may be the one time it makes sense to buy it because your contract price there is based on what it was worth when you signed your deal, usually about three years ago. So it may be a bargain for you to at least explore the idea of buying your off-lease vehicle. Seems like this is not going to be a problem for a short period of time because it's not like these companies can just ramp up chip production. And even when they do, you have to get these cars built. 
Exactly. And uh, I've learned a lot I ever thought I would. Chip making is a long process. When you start ramping it up, it can take, I believe, 12 weeks from beginning to end to to make a batch of chips. So this is not something you can just flip on a light switch. It'll be fascinating to see how it goes. Jeff Gilbert, CBS Auto Reporter, based in Detroit. Just ahead, some unexpected news from the annual shareholder meeting of Berkshire Hathaway. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. We're learning the line of succession behind Warren Buffett at Berkshire Hathaway. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Gary Kaltbaum, President, Kaltbaum Capital Management. Uh, Gary, you can, by the way, find him online at GaryK.com. Gary, kind of give us a thumbnail here. What happened at this meeting? Uh, I I call it sanity. Um, In a market right now that is exhibiting... Uh, lots of froth, lots of bubbles, and by the way, lots of bubbles that have already burst where things are down 50 to 70%. A lot of people don't know about that. The SPACs and the electric vehicles and the batteries and the companies with no sales. Uh, It's good to hear from somebody who talks about uh, valuations, earnings, sales, and all the stuff that really matter in the way long run. And yet they're sort of treated like curmudgeons, right, for not going along with the flow on those things? Oh, yes. And let me, I, I, I hearken back to 1999. Warren Buffett was being cursed out by Wall Street for not knowing anything. And why isn't he in all these Internet stocks, and, by the way, which most of them went down 99% with the that did well. So I, I just hearken back. To that. I'm just seeing a lot of people on the chat rooms and the message boards and the Twitter cursing the out. They're coming to tell us the casino out there and the Robin Hood and 15 year old Peter and buying up coins after they're up sixfold. Uh, interesting to see that. I wonder what that means uh, for the market going forward. I think uh, we could be in one of those moments in the next. Yeah, that is Gary Kalbaum, president of Kalbaum Capital Management. Having a little trouble with your line there, Gary. So we'll reconnect. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, Warren Buffett is going to be replaced as CEO. Finally, a succession plan. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are mixed. We're joined by Paul Nolte, portfolio manager, Kingsview Asset Management here in Chicago. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. The Dow up 273. The NASDAQ down 68, and the S&P, it's up 13 points. Paul, good to have you on the show. What do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Nice to be with you again, Cisco. It's a mixed bag. Uh, We're certainly still getting good economic data. Uh, The ISM data came out today. Manufacturing is still running very hot. Uh, We get services later on this week. The expectation for Friday is a very good jobs report. We could see uh, a million plus in in new jobs. The earnings season has been fabulous. uh, Companies are beating expectations by uh, 15, 20%. So a lot of good news and a Fed that is still very accommodative at this point is allowing investors to feel pretty comfortable putting equities into their portfolio. And wondering if you think that will continue and at what prices. You have the president. There's already been some stimulus. Uh, He's pitching two other plans as well, really, to jumpstart the economy and get more money out there. Uh, What does Wall Street think about that? 
Well, Wall Street likes it you know, on the face. Certainly, anytime that you're putting money out the door, Wall Street's happy. They're a little concerned about inflation showing up that might be a little bit more than just transitory, meaning that it may be sticking around and a little bit harder to deal with than what we've seen in the past. But generally speaking, I think Wall Street is very happy with the amount of spending. When we've historically have seen these spending type of programs coming in where we're just pulling forward a lot of demand is yet to be seen. And I don't think we're going to really know that answer until late this year, earlier next. And does it mean that investors have to, I mean, they always need to be discerning, but do they maybe have to be a little more discerning given the fact that some of this money going into stocks is driving up some of the prices? No, it is. So when you look at valuations from a a long-term perspective, say over the next five years, maybe seven years or so, uh, valuations are very high on a historical basis. So in the short run, the markets can continue with the momentum that we've seen. But over the next five, seven years or so, our expectation is returns are going to be very, very low uh, and maybe along the lines of what we're experiencing in the treasury market. So you're right in the fact that you know, it's it's good now, but we're, we may be stealing a lot away from future returns for the equity market. Because you're not really going to have, I mean, just the big pools of money that have been flowing into the markets over the past year. No, that's true. And, you know, at some point, the Fed is going to uh, start to raise rates. At some point, the federal government will stop the uh, largesse that we've experienced over the last year. And two, businesses will get back to normal. We're not going to see those 20 25% jumps in revenue and earnings from a lot of companies. So we're going to get back to a, a GDP of 2 to 3%. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the markets are going to continue to sell at 25, 30 times earnings. It should be something less than that. Are those reopening stocks still attractive? I mean, I'm thinking in some respects the airlines, but you have hotels, you have cruise lines. You do, and I think those still uh, provide some value. We're finding a little bit more value as you go down into smaller companies, so small cap stocks, those in the Russell 2000. uh, They tend to be very domestic-focused. They don't have a lot of international exposure. Uh, They tend to do well in this type of an environment as well. So even outside the very large, big-name stocks, uh, you can find some pretty good value in, in some smaller names in the marketplace. And an opportunity still to make a little bit of money as they get reopened. Uh, tech sector, I mean, we talked about valuation. Is that sector overheated in general or, or maybe the big stocks? Well, I think so. I mean, you know, the top five names account for better than 20% of the, the total value of the S&P 500. When you look at the earnings for those companies, they had great earnings last week. But now the question becomes, are they going to, what are they going to do for an encore? Are they going to be able to continue at that pace? If the economy continues to open up, we're going to move off of Zoom. We're going to be a little bit more face-to-face. We're going to be out, uh, out and about. And so the revenue generation from those companies won't near, be nearly as strong as what we saw in the last 12 months. So we think they're, they're probably a good time to rotate out of some of those names uh, into those opening names, if you will. Thanks so much, Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management here in Chicago. Just ahead, Verizon is moving out of media, getting rid of Yahoo and AOL, among others. Also, 1249 Stock Picker Monday. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 
Verizon is selling its media group, which includes AOL and Yahoo. It's being sold to a private equity firm for $5 billion. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond. Uh, Chuck, I mean, I guess Verizon made a gamble here on some of these properties. Does this mean the gamble did not pay off? Well, it didn't pay off for Verizon, but it hasn't really paid off for much of anybody since 1999. Cisco, let me give you a rundown of what's happened to Verizon and AOL in that time frame. So you look in 1999, AOL had a market capitalization of over $200 billion. That was its worth in the market. In 2000, AOL bought Time Warner for around $162 billion, which at that time was the largest takeover in U.S. history. Fast forward then to 2009, Time Warner spun off AOL, and then Verizon bought AOL in 2015 for around $4.4 billion. If you, if you look at what happened to uh, Yahoo, uh, similar thing. 1999, Yahoo's market capitalization was $100 billion. In 2004, it was still worth $50 billion, which was worth more than Apple at that time. In 2008, Yahoo refused a takeover offer from Microsoft for nearly $42 billion. And then Verizon buys Yahoo in 2017 for what appeared to be a paltry $4.5 billion. So Verizon bought uh, Yahoo for $4.5 billion. They bought AOL for about $4.5 billion. Um, so they had about $9 billion wrapped up in those two companies. They took a goodwill charge a few years ago of about $4 billion. And so now both of those companies, which at one time had combined market capitalizations of over $300 billion, are being sold now for about $5 billion. So, so the answer is no, it did not work out well for Verizon <laughs> and has not worked out very well for anybody since 1999. Apollo, let's see how that works out for them. Uh, typically, you know, the private equity firms will buy this and eventually – uh, try to build it, and then usually you'll see it spun back out uh, to the public market, and so investors will probably get another shot <laughs> if they want at uh, the combined AOL and, and Yahoo. But it's 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 been a dreadful and a bit of a cautionary tale, I might add. You know, if you think about what's been going on in the market now, in some of the real high flying tech stocks, and where you're seeing companies valued at you know 20, 50 times revenue. Um, it is not always the case that uh, those companies go on to bigger and better things, as, as Yahoo and AOL uh, are, are indications of that. Well, it's amazing. You even have some companies now that flat out tell you, we don't know if we're ever going to make a profit, and yet their stock price soars. It, it does. And, and again, you know, if you go back to 1999 when, when Yahoo and AOL were, were at their peak, you know, that was, you know, the last real frothy you know, tech market that we had, and, and obviously that kind of uh, uh, tanked beginning in 2000, 2001, when the tech stocks really started to fall down. But um, so, you know, nothing is a sure thing, and you can sit there and do valuations and, and justify, uh, you know, what you're paying for a particular stock. But at some point, um, you know, valuation does matter. It mer mattered in a big, big way with Yahoo and AOL, and it, and it will matter on, on some of these companies right now that are selling at just outrageous valuations. Thanks so much, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter. This time tomorrow, Travel Tuesday, still to come, our Monday stock picker. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
It's Stock Picker Monday, sponsored by Wealth Management Group. Michael Palumbo is joining us, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk. Michael, good to have you with us. What's your first pick? Well, good afternoon, Cisco, and thanks for having me on. So we'll start with uh, the riskier of the two. I've got a risky one and I've got a, a safer one, but they're both poised for uh, good stock returns. The first one's Netflix. Um, you know, they had a huge user boom last year as COVID hit. The growth is stalled, and so is the stock. It's been hurt by, you know, show production halts, uh, but that's ending as COVID is subsiding. And they, they've become, along with Disney, the world's best content provider. They're the kings of content, kings of streaming. Uh, I, I just don't see how this stock doesn't, doesn't do well uh, as we move forward and as they uh, produce better, you know, more content. Um, it's a 60 PE, so it's not cheap. But it's growing at 70% a year on earnings basis, and, and it's, it's, it's built for, for, for more growth. And I, I think it's a great bet. It's riskier of the, of the two that I'm going to give you. But if you're looking for a growth stock that has the best chance of a great return, I think this stock has 40 to 50% upside in the next 18 months. And the thing about uh, Netflix is when it runs, it runs quickly. So you want to be positioned. It might it might take a while, but you want to have the stock there so that when when you get that run, you're 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 positioned well. So I like Netflix a lot here, uh, and especially since it's stalled out, I think it's ready for another move up. Okay, Netflix right now five oh seven a share. That's the first pick. Netflix. What's your second pick? Lockheed Martin. So LMT uh, first quarter earnings were six fifty six a share. Beat estimates by four percent. Some people would consider this a boring stock, but making money is never boring, and, and, and this, this stock is definitely poised for a 20 to 30% run-up. Uh, the sales uh, first quarter were, were $16.3 billion. That was pretty much in line, but it's up 4% from 2020 in a tough market, and the stock's just cheap. It's a 15 PE stock, and the defense budget's going nowhere but up. Biden's already indicated he's going to raise the defense budget, uh, even from Trump levels. So that's, that concern is definitely not there. Uh, there's huge demand for their missiles, especially the Patriot missile. And uh, it's just a safe stock in a volatile market. So you want, you want a stock that has good upside with very little downside. I think Lockheed Martin is a great bet. And as you mentioned, you know, the P.E. ratio, a lot of people, they're, they're just running with what's sexy, and they're not even looking down into those sorts of details, which seems a bit risky in the long run. Certainly. And, and, and in this year, 2021, it's been the year of the, of the uh, uh, value stock. So uh, Lockheed Martin is definitely a, a name I would watch, and I think it's going to have a great year. Uh, and, and, and this type of stock, like I said, it might be a little bit boring to some people, but like, it's definitely it's going gonna, it's gonna to run 20 to 30% in the next 18 months. Thanks so much, Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital. He's our Monday stock picker today. The two stocks he picks, Netflix, NFLX, and Lockheed Martin, LMT. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, the replay podcast will be available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.